Hi, this is Brad, and you're listening to Queer Writers of Crime. This is the monthly edition where guests give their book recommendations. You'll hear suggestions from Mark McNeese, Jeffrey Round, and Michael J. Wilson. Now, last month I called this segment Authors with Book Recommendations, and that really is a truly awful name. This month I'm calling it Authors on Authors. Which is better, but not quite there yet. If you have a better name, go to the website and leave a voicemail message. Or you can use the contact page or email me at brad at bradshreve.com. If I choose yours, you'll get three books signed by some great authors. So give me your ideas and let's see what happens. It's time to put on your sleuthing cap, feel nail-biting dread, and face heart-racing fear. This is Queer Writers of Crime, where you'll get book recommendations and hear interviews with LGBTQ authors of mystery, suspense, and thriller novels. Here's your host, Brad Shreve. So, Mark McNeese, it is time for your book recommendation, and I'm very anxious to see what you have to tell us. First of all, who's the author? The author is John Connolly. He splits his time between Dublin, Ireland, and, oh my gosh, oh, Maine. He's got a house in Maine. And just briefly, I don't know if he's gay or not. You know, he's one of these authors that it's hard to find out anything about him. But all of his personal information, he is solo. Let's put it that way. So I think it's possible that he might be gay. He certainly knows how to write gay. It's easy to confuse him with Michael Connolly, but they're they not the same. Is there one particular book that has jumped out at you that you want to tell us about? Well, with John Connolly, it's a series. Um, he has a character named Charlie Parker, named after the jazz musician. And the book that I'm recommending is the 19th book in the series. And... I'm recommending it because there there is a gay couple in in many of the books named Angel and Lewis, and they are lethal. They are lethal people, but they're good. They're not bad people, and they often will help Charlie as he's um, you know being threatened by all kinds of people. And also, in the series, there's a strong supernatural element to a lot of the books. So, if you're not into the supernatural elements. You know, it may not be for you, but this book is called The Nameless Ones. Um, He's a best-selling author of Dirty South uh, and the Charlie Parker series. And again, we had talked in when I you interviewed me about aging characters, and I love the fact that all these characters have gotten old with me. And Lewis and Angel are getting old, um, and they're experiencing the infirmities that come with age. But in the book, in Amsterdam, four bodies are found violently butchered in a canal house. Uh, the men responsible for the murders are Serbian war criminals. They believe they can escape retribu- retribution by fleeing to their homeland, and they are wrong. For Lewis has come to Europe to hunt them down. Five killers to be found and punished before they can vanish into thin air. And I just really like this couple. And this was one of those books that I could not stop reading, and I, it doesn't happen to me very often. I read a lot of good books. A lot of books I could recommend, but it is very uncommon for me to have a book that I I can't wait to get back to. I, re- I finished it on the cruise that we did in December, 
And I just could literally could not wait to get back to the stateroom to read this book. I couldn't, it's a page turn. It's a, and John Connolly, he's a master. He's a really, really top tier author. Whether you read all of the series or you just read this one, the nameless ones, I'm telling you, your, your heart's going to start pounding and it's not going to stop until the last page. And so it can be read as a standalone? Oh, yeah, you can read it as a standalone because this is one of those books where Charlie Parker is hardly in it. He's in it for like two pages. The whole book is really Lewis and Angel. And you don't need all of the backstory. You can read it without being familiar with the previous books. You know, you, you're you going to understand reading it that there's this guy named Charlie Parker and that Lewis and Angel have worked with him over the years. But Connolly is very good at making sure that you don't have to have read those books. And you said this is number 14? 19. 19, okay. 19. And I presume you've read 1 through 18. I have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't wait. It's He's like one of those authors that like, I got to get the new one. Do you have him on uh, auto purchase on Amazon? No, I didn't ever even, I never even thought about that. I just look him up when I'm ready for a new book. Yeah, I have a friend who's a Louise Penny fan, which eh, she's okay, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to. She's okay. Yeah, she's okay. Uh, but my friend adores her, and she has it set up as soon as Louise Penny book comes out, it is automatically shipped to her, which I didn't know they had either. Oh, that's funny. But that's that's how big a fan she is. So I'm, I the reason I asked is if you've read through one through eighteen, is the tone the same or does it change throughout? You said each can be read as a standalone. I think the style is the same because mm -hmm. it's because of the author. Right. But for instance, this book, there's no supernatural elements in this book. And it's a very straightforward thriller, suspense book. You don't have any, you know, demons coming from another universe, parallel universe, that kind of stuff that, that are in a lot of the other books. But the tone, the tone's the same because the style's the same. And it's um, third person. Um, and I like the fact that it was really Lewis and Angel's book. That's why I'm recommending it. Well, thank you. You've introduced me to a new author. I. Uh... You won't be disappointed. I would be surprised if you were disappointed. Okay, good. <laughs> Like I've said many times, because I read so many books for the show, and thankfully, the vast majority of them are ones I enjoy, so I, I'm not going to complain about that. But rarely ever do I say, hmm, I'm going to go pick up this author's book. But this is, this is going to be on my ever-growing pile, so I'm going to check them out. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt, but I have two things, and they're real quick. First, this is a shout out to a listener named Joseph, who made a generous donation to the show. And actually, that one I won't apologize for. I just want to say thank you, Joseph. The other thing is, I love doing this show, but a little support would really help. It takes up to 10 hours to edit each hour that you hear. I have a great time interviewing authors, but... You know, it, it'd be great to have some time myself to get some writing in. I've hired an editing team to give me that time and actually make the show cleaner and crisper. But they ain't cheap. You can help. Please do as Joseph did and give a donation. It doesn't have to be much, just whatever you're willing and able. It's easy to do. Just go to the show notes and click Help Support This Podcast. That's all. So now let's get back to more recommendations. Mm -hmm. 
The book that I want to recommend is a book by a man named George Baxt, who I believe is an American slash British mystery writer. And the book is called A Queer Kind of Death. I think it was his first book. Uh, he had been a teleplay writer and a script writer before that. Uh, but let's talk about what it is and what it isn't. First of all, it is not the very first mystery with a gay private investigator protagonist, but it is among the first. The first book in that category went to a man named, uh, was published by a man named Rodney Garland in 1953. He was Hungarian and British. The Brits really have a, a thing for mysteries. Uh, but 13 years later, 1966, George Baxt came out with this book, A Queer Kind of Death. There's another book beat George Baxt, The Queer Detective. Ah, okay. This one I don't know. All you don't right. know? It was uh, published in 1961, and I only know it because my husband bought it. Okay. But it is not, it's okay, but it is not the best. So we'll and and I haven't read uh, Rodney Garland's book, uh, The Heart in Exile, um, so I can't I can't speak on that. But just the fact that it was first and in 1953 says says an awful lot about the bravery of the man and probably the publishers as well. But 1966 out comes a book called A Queer Kind of Death, and it which I would say is still brave is still pretty brave for the time, and in particular because it has another first in that the gay protagonist, the gay private investigator, is also black. Uh, and there is a major character in the book who is um, uh, indigenous, so First Nations. So this is a book that is breaking boundaries just as it comes out of the publishing, uh, you know, out of the chute from the publisher. Uh, but what I, why I recommend it is not because it's just historically important. It's also a damn good mystery. The characters are great. The characters are colorful. The writing is funny, uh, but the mystery itself is quite superb. And it's it's a book. It's one of the few books that actually fooled me twice because I read it in 2007 when I was writing my, my very first mystery, uh, The P-Town Murders. So I just wanted to get a, a look at what else was out there. So I wrote, so I read uh, A Queer Kind of Death, and I thought, oh, wow, it's going in this direction, and I think this is who did it. But I got to the end, and good for him. It, he fooled me. It was not the person I thought it was. But then I picked it up again last month just to see, was it as good as I had remembered it? And it is as good as I remembered it. And it fooled me again because he led me down this path thinking, oh, yeah, I remember this is this is who did it. This is the bad the bad guy. And I got to the end. I thought, how did he fool me twice? <laughs> so so I will highly recommend it as being a superb mystery, but the characters are wonderful, and the writing is really good. It's really smooth. I can't say that about all of his books, but this one, I can say that. Uh, it amusing, and it never gets in the way of the story. And uh, you and I have had conversations about writing in, well, in writing in general, but writing in mystery, and I think that's for me, that's a place where I'm more often to be disappointed by a mystery than is the story good, are the characters good, if the writing gets in the way. Uh, even some of the best writers, the ones I admire most, like Joseph Hansen, I just think his prose is like chewing on gravel. Um, <laughs> I should pause here. I'll probably get hate mail for that. But that's I, I just find his prose really, really difficult. Whereas if you go to somebody like Agatha Christie, 
The prose is not exceptional. It's hardly even interesting, but it never gets in the way of the story. But the prose in this book, A Queer Kind of Death, is smooth. It's fun. It's a pleasure to read. So I, I would have to rate it highly as a mystery, uh, as just as far as plots go. Uh, I would rate it highly for the characters because they are incredibly inventive and they are they feel really current. You're going to be reading a book about uh, an actor slash model who is killed at the outset of the book. That's not a surprise. But you're going to read about people you know in this book, and you're going to think, "Oh my God, we're, we're you know we're the same people more than fifty years later in our community," and I think that's what helps keep this story fresh, and I love that about it. But also because I would give high marks to the writing as well, so that is my recommendation. And I will let you know, uh, just so people know, I looked up the book. It is not in print, apparently. Uh, it is available for sale and don't faint when I tell you this because I have other options. It is available for sale as a hardcover. Oh no, you know what? It's not bad. Uh, paperbacks run from $33.50 up to uh, hardcovers that are much more than that. And you can get it on Amazon. I see it on eBay and I see it on a whole lot of different book resellers. So it's out there. Okay. That's good to know. The, the edition I have uh, comes from uh, St. Martin's Press in 1979. So um, if you can if you can find a secondhand copy, that's great. Uh, I hope you don't have to pay too much for it. Uh, maybe a library has it if uh, if uh, worse comes to worst. And that actually is on, that book is for sale. The exact one you're talking about on Amazon, and I'm showing the hardcover is forty dollars, but the paperback is only three dollars and fifty cents. Okay, that's the secondhand version. That's great. Yeah. So you don't have to buy, pay $40. So if it's as good as you said, it might be worth hanging on to. <laughs> yes. In fact, I can tell you I paid eleven ninety nine for mine. The price tag is still on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. It, historically, I love the fact of that time period. So I'm not going to say I'm going to put it on my list because everybody's tired of hearing me say that. I will tell you this. I usually mean it. And because because of that, my Kindle is so full of books I have not read but now that I'm going to have a paperback sitting around too. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm. We'll chat about it when you get when you get through it. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Michael J. Wilson, I am excited to hear what book you are going to recommend for us today. What is it? Uh, the name of it is Relative Justice. It's uh, book one in the Hazard and Somerset Arrows in the Hand series by Gregory Ash. Okay, now you did a Gregory Ash Hazard and Somerset novel. That's just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was my first. It's actually my first Gregory Ash uh, novel that I've read. So, so it was new to me. Well, let me just say, if Greg was new to you, I'm not surprised that you're recommending one of his books. He's uh, he's a good writer and a great guy all in one. So. Tell us what you think. Tell us the story and what you think. Okay, so I really enjoyed this book. It's a great mystery with a wonderful subplot. In fact, at least in my opinion, the subplot bears as much weight as the murder plot. And regarding the mystery, uh, the murder, a relative newcomer to town is found stabbed in the woods with no tracks in the muddy ground surrounding him and no signs of struggle. So how did the killer approach, do the deed unopposed, and leave with no trace? That's the mystery. Oh, the locked door story. 
Yeah, so the, it, the mystery is up to new police chief John Henry Somerset and his new husband, private investigator Emery Hazard, to determine. So uh, a teenage boy, the subplot, a teenage boy shows up on Hazard, Hazard and Somerset's doorstep claiming to be Emery Hazard's biologic son. Uh-oh. Even though Hazard is, yeah, even though Hazard has never had sexual relations with a, a woman or donated sperm. So how could he possibly be his son? Well, while we wait for the results of a paternity paternity test, I can't get my words out today. Uh, while we wait for the results of a paternity test, we really grow to care for Colt, the, the young man who claims to be Hazard's son. He wants desperately to be liked by his presumptive father, so much so it causes him to assume the role of an investigator, albeit rogue, and this leads to getting mixed up with the murder investigation. We're treated to a very satisfying conclusion on both plots. Uh, the, in fact, the subplot's conclusion actually brought me to tears. It, it was that moving. I can't remember. I think the last book I cried in was was like uh, Bridges in Madison County. But honestly, I hadn't read anything by Gregory Ash before. So I, when I purchased this book, I, it was book one in the series. I assumed it was going to be an introduction to these primary characters. However, after several references to backstory, I found out this is actually the third series. I think it's the third series uh, with the same characters. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to go back and start from the very beginning with uh, Pretty Pretty Boys. But I definitely recommend it. (laughs) Pretty Pretty Boys is uh, a good book. And you're right. He's confused me because he's ended a series and people are like, oh, and then he begins a series with the same characters. It just has a different tone to it. So yeah, so I wasn't expecting that. I like I said, it said book one, so I assumed all new characters and stuff. But that wasn't the case with this. Can you tell us a little more about the story without giving it away? Oh, I I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to give any spoilers. I just I I thought it was a, a great uh, murder mystery, and but I, I really was drawn to the the subplot uh, with Colt. I just the way they have them clashing and. Emery Hazard, I, this like I said, this was my introduction to him. I felt he was really, really gruff and, and kind of mean in the beginning, but of course he does soften as it goes along. So I, I got to like him a little more. I got to like him better after the beginning. But uh, I really liked the relationship of Colt and how I, I don't know. It just really felt for him. I thought he was a wonderful character. So I, yeah, just highly recommend. And actually, if you read his reviews, it's it's very common to hear people say that he he's kind of gruff. I you know, I wasn't going to yeah. get into him, but <laughs> then he, they warm up to him. Yeah, exactly my experience with him. I just like God, this guy is so mean. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it, you do grow to grow to care for him too. So this guy sucks. Why do I want to read about him? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you like it. It's kind of like a, as good as it, as good as it gets. It, you know, Jack Nicholson's character is like he's so mean, and, but uh, but then you do care for him too. So I love that movie. Yeah, me too. Have you ever watched Glee? Yeah, this is kind of out of the blue. Saying that he had never had sexual relations with a woman and never gave to a sperm bank makes me think of the first season of Glee, where Finn was convinced that he impregnated. Uh, Oh, the cheerleader. I can't remember her name. I don't remember either. Because he ejaculated in a uh, hot tub. (laughs) (laughs) 
some strong swimmers. Yeah. So I was thinking, well, maybe that's how Jeff had that happen. I don't know, because I haven't read this one. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't tell you how it ends up, but it, it's satisfying. So. All right. Well, thank you for your recommendation. All right. All right. 